Hello, and welcome to the podcast, the In Key Podcast, with James and guest. I'm the guest, Glenn Riley. That's right. And today we're talking about how Glenn became a teacher, uh, general changes in music, and hopefully some rig talk, which I, I, this could go on forever, but I want to talk about it. It was by complete chance that I picked up your book in my music store. It was called Beams Music. I just picked up that book. I saw this this guy with a you know guitar with the glasses, and it looked like a cool book. And I opened it up. It's like hey, this is you know not thirty pages to explain a bend. This is readable and looks nice. And that's what got me excited and about lead guitar. And I had to, I had to press my guitar teacher saying like, "What is this? This is a sweep. What?" Who, is that a real term? You know, or you know, what? How's he doing this this thing here? So I, it really got my my teacher to say, like, "Oh, I gotta, I can't just have this kid learn chords. I gotta, you know, it it, it made me demand more of my teacher, demand more of myself, and that it it really made a big difference. And I really uh, just picked it off by random. So I want to get into talking about that book, but uh, I just wanted to say thank you for being here, and that had a huge impact on me as a as a young musician. Oh, thanks so much for having me, and I'm I'm so happy uh, you took a chance on a book. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but hey, like I said, let's get into um, you starting as a teacher because I teach uh, music now. Uh, let's start with when did you start playing guitar? Probably around um, late seventies, early eighties. I really didn't get uh, I really didn't get serious with it until I was summer before high school, and then you know high school you kind of get the bug. Um, and by by the time eleventh or twelfth grade came, when you're you're looking at what's going to happen next, I uh, I, I was looking at some some music schools to pursue. Um, I was passionate enough about it, and then I uh, I was off to uh, a place in Hollywood, California, called Musicians Institute. That's crazy. Before, how many years were you playing guitar before you graduated at high school? I'd say probably uh, four. Four or five, but only probably three or four seriously before I did go to GIT. Yeah, that's still really cool, though. I mean, you had your parents supporting that because nowadays it's it's not uh, it's more the rapper is the the thing, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was still I still had to stand on my own two feet per se, and 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 support myself outside. You know, I wasn't going to go go home and live there for another 10 years while I'm trying to anyway yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you this though did they did they find a spot for you how much of that did you have to do on your own do you find your own apartment or did you did you stay on campus or? out at, out at, yeah this uh this particular at least when I went it was yes yeah, you did have to uh you did have to pay your own rent there was no dorm or or anything like that so it was kind of with it being like a vocational school yeah you had to you had to have your own living space. They, they, I think they, you know, it's just like any school where you're finding an off-campus living, they would uh, help, you know, help pair you with a roommate or share expenses, et cetera, et cetera. I was a little nervous being young. I was going out there 18. Oh, my word. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I, I was a little nervous. Across and, the country. And, 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 right. I mean, 4,000 miles away from home or whatever. First time, first apartment, first being on my own. And so, uh, what was your side job? I basically working out of high school, I saved up and, and, you know, dad helped me out a little bit as far as that goes. So I was able to, um, I was able to just be a full-time student and focus and concentrate on the program. But I did see other, I did see other students there where they would have to get a little part-time job sure, or, sure. Or, or something like that. Excellent. But I was, I was at least fortunate enough and planned ahead 
that I could, you know, I didn't have to worry about that and, and focus fully on the program. And studying. where in California is uh, GIT? We're talking, we're talking 1990, 1991. Um, I'm not sure if it's still in the same location all these years later, but uh, it, at the time I was there, it was smack dab in the middle of Hollywood, uh, Los Angeles, California. Yeah, when I look it up, uh, I get global innovative technologies in Nevada. So it's, a, yeah. it's hard to yeah. say here. Yeah. But at the time, it was a pretty hot thing. And where did you hear if it was in a magazine or on TV? I, yeah, yeah. The, the, again, when I was learning, I, just like we all did, we found a private teacher and went on for, a, you know, you go in for a half hour, you do your thing. And then, uh, again, back then with, with no internet, there was, information was hard to come by. So anything outside of my my guitar lesson would be guitar magazines, and you would always see ads in the back, and a lot of it was promoting any kind of educational stuff that had to do with our instrument, and that's exactly where I found it. And of course, Berkeley was in the back of the magazines just as much, and uh, I think there was a school in Atlanta at the time, um, AIM, I think that was called. Um, and maybe one or two. So it was it was a hotbed at the time uh, with the late 80s in particular where, you know, a lot of guys wanted to do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the uh, the topic of magazines and, and this sort of thing, how much did they – did they say any advertising price? And did you have to call up and say, oh, like, they cost that much? Or what was uh, it like? Oh, no. I, yeah, I sent, a, I sent away for the literature. And then, you know, it would, like, drop in your mailbox, like, maybe two or three weeks later – you would get the brochure, you would look, you know, you would look to see what, you know, they explain how it's going to work, what, where you're look, going to live, et cetera, et cetera. And then, uh, yeah, it's just, I could have went to Berkeley and, and uh, I didn't like winter too much. So California yeah. looked nice and warm. Yeah, I've been, I've been there a few times and I, I really, it, it, I would love to have uh, spent more time there, but I I'd stayed on the East Coast because of my family. The, um, sure. the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, in uh, their advertisements, are they saying, we'll teach you how to be your own boss? We'll teach you how to sell your products? We'll teach you, or is it just purely, we're, we're going to make you the best musician possible? Yeah, it was really more that. I think it was just, you know, you're going to get your scales, your chords, rhythm, sight reading, all, all the skills that they would want you to have, or any musician would have, sure. Sure. To, to, to then pursue a career in music, whether it will be uh, session work, teaching, performing, um, any, any of those kind of uh, areas. So uh, they did have a, a business course, which was kind of what you would consider an elective. And I did attend that, and they would, they would show you how to, how to sell your teaching, how to, how to market. Uh, That's awesome if, to hear. If, yeah, if you were doing a live band or, or something like that, how to promote um, and how, how, to, how to get a – a gig on a cruise ship playing, nice. you know, they, so they, they would, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty quick. I remember. Um, but, uh, yeah, they did give a little bit of, they, they, they did a little bit of that, but really the, the focus was really on practicing your brains out and you, and you know, with it being just a one year program, they really blasted you through it pretty quick. Oh, and yeah, I was going to say that it, I, I assumed that it was a two year program. Interestingly enough, the year that I graduated, they started to change the format a little bit. They added, it was just guitar, bass, drums, and vocals when I was there, but then they added uh, a luthier um, 
you know, kind of extension of that, or they, they added keyboards, they added music production. So that those kind of those kind of things, I think they were always evolving. Excellent. And so what was day one? I got to ask you about this. What was day one of uh, Musicians Institute like? Oh, yeah, I, I, I was I was def- I, the first thing. It was just amazing. The most amazing players were there and they were like my age or maybe a, it was all in the same pocket. Guys were like either between, you know, like 18 to 22 was the I guess the demographic age wise. And it was just you know, it was it was very overwhelming. Uh, we're, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. It, <laughs> That's it, great. It was, it, it was, it was really, you know, and coming, coming from Delaware, it was, you know, you only saw it like when you went in the music store, maybe for your, for your lesson. Yeah. And the, this is just like, it was real. Breathes. It was real. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. De- definitely a huge reality check. At the same time, it was, it was also very inspiring and motivating. And, and that was, that was something that I, I took to heart at that time where I was just like, man, I really. You got to get to work. (laughs) Did you feel that uh, the people that uh, showed up there, it was like 90% guitar players or was like good spread of drummers and bass players and vocalists? The guitar, the guitar department definitely, definitely probably had about 70% of the students, but there was also, um, you know, there's a lot of drummers there. There was a lot of bass players there. There was a, uh, a little bit of vocals too. And, you know, a lot of these guys were forming bands inside the school that would then la- that would later on go on to maybe get us a, a small record deal or they were you know it was still i think a thing back then where you're trying to get signed to a label sure. especially especially out there so so there was it was almost kind of like optimizing hey i'm in school i'm going to find the best drummer best bass player best singer we're going to write these songs we're going to make a demo and things like that. So that that was a there was a lot of that going on too. How about how much uh, did you find? Oh, this guy he's our he listens to more jazz. This this guitar player is a little bit more heavy metal. This one is more into the funk stuff. Did you feel a big find of a big spread, or did you find more people were into like it was everybody was shredding left and right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there there was definitely there was definitely the jazz the the you know the jazz people there. Um, small classical, they, you know, as far as fingerstyle classical, there was a little bit of that. But I, I think as far as all us guitar guys, we, we just wanted to be the next big star, you know, co- coming out of that. And they were selling that, you know. So, Paul, you know, Paul, Paul came out of GIT. Yeah, Paul Gilbert. Yeah. Steve, Steve Vai was Berkeley's big poster guy mm-hmm. at, at the time. So a lot of guys went there for, you know, because of Steve Vai was, and uh, John Petrucci for that matter nowadays. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah. So that, that that's insane. I can't imagine. Like I think nowadays, I think uh, the guitar players online would love that to go to a place that everybody speaks the same language. What are you playing? And when are you doing this? So it's hard to get together nowadays and find everybody on that same page. And on top yeah. of that, uh, nowadays the uh, I don't know if you're uh, hip of the uh, Polyphia band. Have you heard about this? Uh, Tim Henson. Yes, exactly. Yep, this and. Uh, there's a, a number of other guitar players that are doing much more of a, um, it's like a lot more slap guitar, a lot more um, um, hammering on with no strike notes, a, sure. a little bit bass slapping technique, and um, a lot of post-production. A lot yeah, of yeah, post-production. Yeah, I, I, th- I think the first thing that came across my radar was uh, Animals as Leaders. Yep, yep. So, so Yeah, so Tosin. Yep, and Tosin's then, nuts. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I, th- I think he was kind of like... Um, 
prob- probably the, the pioneering of that, and then and then of course you had all the other all the other guys that were being inspired by that. So I, I like uh, yeah, I like Tim from Polyphia, I like Tosin. Um, there's a, a Australian uh, guitarist named Pliny, and and uh, I mean the list goes on. But yeah, I, I do hear I do hear some of that. Um, I, I'm not listening all the time, but I I I, I hear it. How if there was a GIT today, a GTI, <laughs> uh, Musicians Institute today that that was teaching? Do you think that the guitar players that showed up would say like, "Oh, well, Animals Leader, let's let's learn that, let's do that," and they would all be talking about that sort of thing? What was it like back in the day? Was everyone saying, "How do we do the Eddie Van Halen thing on Mean Street? How do we do uh, you know these arpeggios that we hear, uh, sure, but in real life?" Yeah, I I think it's totally era driven. It's whatever's popular. What's happening and at the time, whatever the modern time is. So yeah, back back uh, back then, it was it was definitely Paul Ingve uh, was still a thing. Um, Eric Johnson, Steve Vai. So that that was just those were the guys that were happening. Those were the records that were being bought and listened to. And then you you know you're going into your your fretboard harmony class or your uh, you know, rhythm guitar sight reading and or improv or whatever, and you're. You know, you're studying that particular thing that you know you're inspired by, but I mean, it, but it, but at the same time, I mean, Joe Pass was still a thing, and you know, Larry, Car- you know, the Jeff Beck or you know, Larry Carlton, fusion guys from the '70s, Alan Holdsworth, yeah, you, you know, all those all those guys are still, and I'm I'm they're still kind of existing today too, not to not to say they've been forgotten about, but we're all we're always consuming whatever's new. If you play through Marshall and you you do the uh the when and a when and a wow that's oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that is that is a dead era uh yeah. as far as yeah. what what's popular on on the internet what you just said was perfect it's exa- whatever's popular exactly really what everybody kind of gravitates towards so let's move on to rigs because this has been something that as a kid i just i was like how do they get that sound and i was obsessed i had this uh 5150 combo and that was my first amp that I was like man no one messes with me now. So I want to ask you how what is your your first amp your first rig you were proud of and what do you how did it evolve and where are you at now? I'm doing gigs I'm I'm using Fractal. Fractal. So and and that uh just the axe effects. I, oh, I we think, might want to uh, preface this by telling people that not everybody's a guitar player on this. Uh well, we're saying the rig it's like what are the effects that the guitar goes through before yeah. the audience hears it whether it's speakers in real life or through a computer or a processor unit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely processing, but I I think when I'm when I'm doing recording at home and uh, I do, you know, I have guitar lessons, uh, guitar students come here to my home studio. We're, we're using real tube amps. So, so the digital stuff's really more out of convenience and uh, just, you know, better quality of life per se. Dra- drag it, dragging a 412 yeah. and, a, and a heavy, you know, up some steps to play some room is, you know, that's my, those times for me are over. But, but uh, no, no, I, 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 I'm I'm aware of the gear a little bit. I'm, I was never really a, a gear guy. Really, I think we all we really you know. A what lot, was I your first amp? What was the first amp that you played through at all? I I think it was. Uh, if uh, you'll have to research it, but sure. I, I'm pretty sure my first you know practicing in the bedroom was a PV Pacer. All right, all right. And I don't even really think it was a guitar amp. I think it was really built for keyboard amplification. And then ran and got, uh, you know, like a cheap Ibanez Tube Screamer 
or uh, I think the first, uh, the, uh, I don't know if Boss makes it anymore, it was a HM2 heavy metal pedal. Oh my word, yeah, no, that's incredibly popular online. All right, so this one, this tube screamer? That, yeah, yeah, All right, I, I've earned my right to talk about yep. it. Electri- uh, I, I think it was that and uh, the heavy metal tube Boss, and I remember having a Electro Harmonics Big Muff. Oh yeah. Yeah, Classic so, pedals. Yeah, yeah. Those were those were the ones. I mean, you, you, I've cut a thousand lawns to save up for that sucker. <laughs> that's awesome. And so yeah, that's what you played through. Did you drag that to uh, to the school? Oh yeah, we were p- playing in gr- garages and basements and having little little uh, jam sessions on that stuff for a while. I I, I didn't really uh, when I started the gig way back. Um, I think I everybody was using rack gear at the time. So ADA MP1 was popular. So, you know, you go with that. AR, there was a company called ART that was making, you know, effects processor. I think I may have heard of that one, actually. Yeah, yeah. Those were, those were oldies but goodies. But uh, that, was, that was what was happening at the time. Yeah, and you just get a power amp and then uh, either a, a 212 or a 412, and you just run that guy through that. Gotcha. So what did it look like? On, there was no head? Yeah, exa- yeah, it was just, it was almost like a uh, like just a, a four space or six space rack. Yeah, that yeah. you know you would see in a studio kind of thing. Dude, I'm sure you got into a band eventually, being around all these yeah. these players. What was yeah. your first band out in California? Uh, yeah, uh, well, so I I was we were only jamming in the school, and then um, I, I actually decided after the program was over and my time was done there, and I graduated to to come home. You know, so I, so I I came home, and then I, you know I just got into a local copy band you know you, you look in the classifieds you find somebody that's looking for a guitar player and that's pretty much where i started you know just like barroom you know the bar the barroom musician i was in you know as far as in my early 20s and just you know trying to trying to do that it's I never still a went, thing it's still a thing yeah th- yeah I'm, I'm still doing it yeah good good <laughs> but but uh but uh yeah i mean that was that was the main thing i think it was you know i looked at the original stuff it kind of scared me off a little bit because it's a, yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a an investment. You didn't want the record deal. Looking, yeah, you're exactly. You want to open with Van Halen all this? You didn't want all that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that that's uh yeah. It's, it's it seemed it seemed a little more riskier to me where I was looking for more of a steady work. I think you working, made the right call. Yeah, yeah, working guy kind of thing. So yeah, especially back then. The uh, I think if you say. Uh, everyone was trying to play like uh, '80s Steve I uh, that died off right around that time. I, you know, I, I'm, yeah, exactly. I th- and I think that's that's one thing that I did notice was that, uh, you know, you as, as guitar players were kind of, you know, a uh, little self-centered, all about me. And then you go and you do all your stuff and like, you know, everybody's getting a beer or going to the bathroom and, and you, you, you it, that shapes that shapes a lot, too, you know. Well, what was your oh, since we're on rig stuff? I gotta ask you. So, what was your tour in rig, or what the the rig that you put the most miles on? For me, it was that fifty one fifty. I well, I would I would probably I would probably say for for a brief time I was using uh, I was using a head and a cabinet. I was always switching though. I don't think I I think I was always looking for whatever the next thing was. Okay. So maybe every through every three to five years. But I remember using a Line Six Veta. I remember. Um, I used Marshall for a long time. I used a combo, um, and then I, I switched to a head. Or I, excuse me, I, I used the head, and then I switched to a combo version. Do you remember the ne- the name of that one? Was it a? Yeah, it was a, J- a JVM was the model, 
And that was that was that was kind of hot at the time, where it had a whole bunch of different. You could get a whole bunch of different tones out of it. Is that the one where it has like? It, I'm not kidding when I say like 30 knobs on there. Where it yeah, had a yeah, different knob for each yeah. channel. It was like four four channels, and then it had like three modes per channel, and you could get a clean. Uh, 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 it was it was sometimes it was voicing, sometimes it was EQ, and of course gain you know gain stages. Of each channel, but yeah, it, it, it did it did look like a, a spaceship control. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was working at Sam Ash for a little bit. We saw a few of these amps come come in and out. Yeah. Um, so what uh, what would you say if you had an amp to pick today? Like it's not digital. Um, I know which one I'm going to say. It's going to be obvious. But what would you pick today as the? Ah, this is my go to amp. Don't own it, but I, I I've been looking hard at the uh, the Victory amps. For for whom, yeah, and they have a couple different ones with different with different uh, voicings. I have a a producer friend here local to me that has uh, one or two of them, and uh, he's you know I'm I'm pretty much sold on that. I just got to pull the trigger. Excellent, excellent. Uh, have you played through a Freeman? I owns uh, the Runt fifty, nice. and that and that la- that lasted a good two maybe two years, and then yeah, we're up constantly changing, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a cheap amp, but I, I was blown away. I'm like, this is what I think the Marshalls sound like. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It w- I think it was kind of like, um, I think he had it set up like a, a, pl- a plexi on steroids, kind of. Yeah, that's a very good description for that. And then uh, you said fractal and all this, um, but if you you mentioned latency and, and, and this sort of thing, what do you trust now? Uh, if, you, if we're going for quality, not just ease of, of use, what do you trust for a recording? I'm just using, I'm just using tube amps. I'm, I'm, I'm running a, a Captor X, which is like a direct, and it has a, a speaker emulation. And then I just run that direct into my uh, my interface, and it's working great. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a, a lot of success with that, just working on my demos here at my house. Excellent. And that, yeah, I think that's a great way to go, because you still get the, uh, the, the, the sound and feel of the power amp and the tubes that are running. But then you can, it's not, you don't have to renovate your basement to do a chamber of sound. Exactly. It's, it's the best of both worlds. And um, I'm, I'm, I've just had it just over a year, year and a half now, and I'm pretty impressed. All right. Well, let's get into what are you promoting? And that's what I put in my podcast for each guest. So, Glenn, I have to ask you, what are you promoting? I got uh, my website, www.glennreilly.net. All my books are available there. You can pick up a copy of my EP. And also, I have a guitar course available there as well. Excellent. We'll be checking that out. Hey, it's been a lot of fun. So, I'll see you all on the podcast, hopefully in two weeks, another guest. And let's do a rock goodbye here. Glenn, hit me with it. And uh, bye. Bye. That's great. That's great. That's really good.